Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. For those of you who this is your first time discovering us, thank you for checking us out. What took you so long? For those of you who are coming back, appreciate you as always. Uh, we are always joined by the man behind QB Spotlight, the quarterback guru himself, Mr. Stephen Hamner. I am Eric C. Henry, Underdog Dynasty, FIU beat writer for SB Nation. And this is a bit of a departure from our usual episodes. Usually we kind of have an outline. Steve and I will be on the same page. He will kind of trade notes and Steve will give me his highlights from this from the weekend of play. But Steve, uh, as we kind of hinted at uh, the last episode, your life was going to be changing in a dramatic way. Would you like to go and fill the people in? I, I could see his, uh, Steve's life has changed in a way that mine will never change. So I can see the look on his face and the hair that I do not have. Uh, I don't want to look like Steve's is right now, but he's all good, brother. Go on and uh, fill the fine folks in, man. Oh, man. Well, Eric, you will feel this day one day. You will feel like good <laughs> I promise. Uh, without the hair, though. But, yeah, so we, we uh, me and the wife, uh, we had our, our, our first uh, kid on Sunday. So our lives have changed for the better, but uh, our, our sleep has <laughs> gone down drastically. So please uh, forgive me if I – have a brain fart, or, or I, I I just totally blank on a name or, or or a team. I'll have that's why we have Eric here that will uh, you know pick me up when needed. But you know, with that said, we still got some we still got some good football in this uh this past week. I was able to, to, to catch some games and watch, and of course, Eric kept me up with with everything going on. Absolutely, man. Of course, on behalf of myself, and I'm sure I'll speak for our our, our listeners and viewership. Want to say congrats to Steve and the wife. Uh, everything you know, everything's good, and, uh, and 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 all jokes aside, you know it's it's a great addition, beautiful thing. And uh, Steve's a little sleep deprived, but you know that's what we're here for the people. We're gonna go ahead and knock out a podcast real quick. So uh, typically, I would start it off with a name and a team, but I'm gonna pass it to Steve. Steve, from what you were able to see this weekend, uh, go ahead and give me your your thoughts, and uh, I will kind of just uh, piggyback off there and jump in as uh, as we can make things happen. Yeah. So. I think uh, I was able to catch most games uh, until, you know, the, the 6, 7 o'clock time on Saturday. And even then I was able to go back and go through some stuff. Uh, but the things I kind of want to go through right off the tabs, let's just go ahead and start with the Thursday night games and then the uh, the Friday night games. So three Conference USA teams and one Sunbelt team. Uh, Bryson Lucerio, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, right. I know we've talked about him several times on the – on the pod before, but he definitely caught my eye. Uh, some big time throws. He, he's able to spread the ball around, and the offense. Uh, I don't know if it looks different when TJ Three is in there, but I, I think the passing game was a bit more uh, efficient and, and open up the running game. Uh, so that was good to see. That the mid ten UTSA game. I definitely want to get into this. Um, Asher Harold looked a lot better the second half, and then of course Josh Atkins came in at the end of the first half. When Frank Harris got hurt, uh, and then going on, just with uh, I'll just knock out all conference USA first, and uh, Eric can kind of go back through it after that. The uh, the Liberty FIU game, a lot of good takeaways there. Stone Norton, uh, I think there's a lot of good things to build on with him. He's someone I was able to kind of go back and watch as well. And then Malik Willis uh, from from Liberty, uh, just an absolute stud. Someone me and Eric talked a lot about off the phone. Uh, Southern Miss, another struggle bus. UTEP, another uh, 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 their third win of the season against Yule Monroe, and uh, Hardinson did some good things, and then Louisiana Tech took care of business. So that was kind of my my whole uh, conference USA kind of uh, a wrap up for, from the weekend, Eric. 
So we're going to do this. Let's go on to, you know, pick a couple of those CUSA games. I want to start off with the one you mentioned in UAB and Bryson Lucero. I want to ask you this. You talked about the uh, kind of the offense, some of the things they, they were able to do there. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? And then I have a, a question specifically about UAB's offense in relation to quarterbacking that you will be able to answer. I'll let you take it away there. sort of what you saw from Bryson Lucero. Yeah, so the the offense came out from the very first play from scrimmage. I don't know if you if you able to if you remember off the top of your head, but it was like a sixty yard bomb from Lucero. Uh, it was a good play action play action sixty yard bomb completed. So right off there, he was able to show off his arm strength, and then that kind of gets in the the defender's uh, mindset the rest of the day. Uh, uh, and so that opened up the running game. Spencer Brown was able to have over hundred yards, three touchdowns on the ground, and they won handily. Uh, there was like 28-10 at halftime, and they just coasted through the rest of the way. But Lucero throws shows a big arm. And he also shows comfort. He's very comfortable in the pocket, which sometimes TJ three will, you know, uh, rely on his on his uh, athletic ability to leave the pocket even when he doesn't necessarily need to. I'm not comparing the two, uh, but just just to get an idea of the differences. And uh, Lucero is very comfortable in the pocket, uh, and I mean this. South Alabama is a like we've talked about in the podcast before. They has they have two quality quarterbacks, and they've already beaten a conference USA team and almost beat Tulane. So I think this is a pretty good win for UAB, and it shows regardless who's at quarterback for UAB, uh, you know they're definitely going to be one of the better teams in, in conference USA. So you kind of touched on it right there, Steve. This is going to be my my question for you regarding this game. UAB's offense is one that's kind of predicated around the running game and deep shots. And the reason I feel comfortable saying that is because, granted, you didn't see much of this with A.J. Erdley. That was more of a, you know, um, uh, control-based offense. But with T.J. Three, you saw the deep shots. You saw, you know, kind of the big play, uh, boomer bust type deal. Do you see anything from Bryson Lucero that says that he, A, is something that, uh, not on going an improvement because his first start, but it's, it, for example, do you see anything from Bryson Lucero in that offense that says, he can elevate it and take it to the next level as opposed to being one that's just like, hey, here are, you know, five to seven deep shots built in a game. We got receivers that can run, go hit them, and then Spencer Brown would go 100 yards on the ground. Yeah, that's a good question. So, I, like you said, we'll take it with a grain of salt, but it is very encour- encouraging. I thought he was more efficient and there weren't as many, uh, you know, TJ3 is high risk, high reward, which uh, there's nothing wrong with that as, as long as you uh, – are, are successful more more than you aren't the rewards uh, yeah <laughs> but um but lucero i think i think he at least with this game showed more efficient and more consistency which has been tj3 is always kind of like nagging thing tj3 is probably a better athlete and is able to use his legs a lot more so they they differ they, they are they differ from a, a stylistic uh kind of approach there but as far as both having good strong arms and pushing it downfield they're similar i think lucero probably has a better arm and, and is, a, is a more is a better natural thrower more polished um but you know coming back to it like you said with the run game as long as spencer brown is there and as long as they're able to run the ball like they have been i think those deep shots are going to be there regardless who is that quarterback and they've both shown they can be able to complete it so it's definitely going to be interesting to see if there is a controversy if they go back to tj3 if they split like we've seen several teams do so far uh in 2020 um but it's definitely something something to watch and could have uh, an impact on conference usa let's go and talk about a team that we haven't talked about a ton and you know no this i don't mean it's in a disrespectful way but their play over the past three years hasn't warranted much talk from anybody and that's utep you know you and i i i, I hope i'm not betraying your trust in saying this you know because i've said this publicly 
Uh, we weren't too impressed with UTEP, you know, with their two wins over FCS teams. And like we said, you know, this being their third win, they have more wins now than they've had in the past three years combined. So now they got a win over an FBS team in Louisiana Monroe, one that, yes, in the past five years, their highest win total is six. But Gavin Hardison, I think personally, you know, I've seen UTEP play a little bit. Deion Hankins, that's a guy who, if this were a running back podcast, we'd be talking about him all day, every day. He's a stud. But Gavin Hardison, you know, this is the second ball game I believe he's gone over 300 yards passing. Do you see something from the quarterback position there with Gavin Hardison that uh, impresses you and just kind of one of your, your takeaways as far as that uh, that offense is concerned? Yeah, so I just got a few eyes on this one. And, you know, I'll, I'll say a few things with the grand salt. One, it's great. Sure. Utah got three W's, regardless if it's FCS or not. With the, with the program, you know, I know we make jokes, but the program that's, that has struggled like they have in the past, three wins is awesome. Um, even if two against the FCS. Uh, with that said, I think we need to look at, okay, how bad is UL Monroe? I didn't, I, I don't, I know they, they lost Caleb Evans at quarterback last year. So they're breaking in a new quarterback and uh, Texas state beat him pretty handily last week. So I think we got to look at the competition. Okay. How bad is, is UL, UL Monroe? And then back to Hardison. Yes. He's thrown, he threw over 300 yards, um, on, but he was 13 to 25. Uh, he's got a strong arm and can spin it. Um, however, uh, the the completion percentage is one thing to uh, you know to keep your eye on because they're not going to be able to. At some point, they're going to play much better competition, and their running game isn't going to be able to get us going as much as it has been against you know SFA and Yale Monroe and after the other team that they they beat uh, escapes me. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind that just because he's a Harrison has a strong arm and, and can push it downfield, which he did, he did, but the, the running game definitely opened that up. So once they play, they get into the conference and play more CUSA teams and they take away that running game, then it kind of relies more on Hardison. And so you're going to be able to make those short kind of quick, efficient throws that, you know, they'll need to make to, to, you know, move the ball downfield. Okay. So we'll take a wait and see approach as far as the minors are concerned. We'll probably keep a, a keep our eyes on them as the season progresses. They're moving into conference USA play this week, but let's go to FIU. And obviously I cover this team, but this isn't about my perspective. It's about your perspective, specifically their quarterback situation. And really the only one you can evaluate so far is Stone Norton, you know, Max Bordenschlager and Kalen Wiggins weren't given, uh, they each were given two reps. Uh, excuse me, two reps, right? It's got two series, not two reps. You can't evaluate anything of two reps. They were given two series each. And then Butch Davis said post game to me that the plan was to give all three quarterbacks two series. And then if they had, whichever one performed the best, they would get the third series from there. The guy who got the most reps with uh, most series, gosh, I think I'm going to get this right eventually. I feel like I'm the one who uh, had a big weekend. Stone Norton. Steve, what were your thoughts? Uh, you did a very good kind of video series earlier today on Stone Norton. Uh, just wonder if you can kind of give the listeners, for those who didn't see that video series, a little peek into that and your just your uh, impression from what you saw. Yeah, so Stone showed a little bit of everything that you want to see from a young player getting his first at, like real action in a, in a big FBS game. So, like we talked about off off the off uh, offline, I think it's important for listeners to know that. Stone's just a gamer. I think you said that. He's just a gamer. He gets put in and things change. But the things that I saw from film is, one, uh, he's got the ability to make any throw on the field at this level. Uh, he's got a strong enough arm, I, I think, uh, in one of his touchdown throws. He had two in one of his touchdown throws. It was from about the 47-and-a-half yard line right close to the end zone as he's getting hit. So that's about 50 yards in the air uh, taking a shot in the chest. Uh, so that's always impressive just to have the, the, the physical tools to make that throw. But the thing that impressed me more uh, was just kind of the, the mental makeup of things. There's several third downs where 
His first read wasn't there. Second read wasn't there. As opposed to freaking out, he bought time, moved in the pocket, boom, made a completion, kept the drive alive. Also, some big-time throws, especially in that last drive, not the last drive, the second-to-last drive where they scored uh, the touchdown to make it 36-34. And there, there are some big-time throws to keep them going along at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, and so I think the, the, the fact that he can trust his receivers enough to make some of those throws, he was the third guy in. Uh, and so – there he's he's already having to kind of get the swing of things you know as the games what already at halftime or close to halftime whenever he actually got in um so i think it, there's a lot to build on i think it was it was an impressive performance and i don't think that this the score is nearly this close without stone norton uh, another thing that's important is the running game got going which was huge but uh, i think if, if if norton's the guy moving forward i'd assume he is someone that that they would you know uh put put uh, as a starter coming up, then that could be a, a big compliment to the run game that they had against Liberty. Really quick, before we transition to Malik, Will- Malik Willis, excuse me, I want to ask you one thing about your video series on Norton here. And you, you talk about one of the things you say in specificity is keeping the eyes downfield and buying time in the pocket. How unique is that for someone who was playing his first collegiate football game? Yeah, I think big time, especially that was a third down. That was a third down play. So I think the fact that it was, he was keeping his eyes downfield, moving the pocket, and it was a big situation. They were down at the time. They had to keep the, the drive moving. That says a lot. And I, I, I want to—I don't want to misspeak, but I think he—he he has trained with uh, QB Country. They're—they're they're big. Um, I, I think that, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they, they do a lot of good work. They've trained like David uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants and um, some kind of Gardner Minshew's trained there. So they've trained some big name guys. So. It's not knowing who he's worked with doesn't surprise me that he's able to do that, but it is rare to see someone that young uh, keep his eyes on the field and move in the pocket, not look to run. Because if uh, the specific player you're talking about, if you would have ran, the linebacker's right there to, to tackle him before, line, before the, the first down mark. So uh, it, definitely impressive. And, uh, you know, I'm someone I'm looking forward to keeping up with the, uh, the rest of the season. So let's go talk about Malik Willis here for a second. And I know being at that game, I know what my impressions were. If you thought that Malik Willis was just a runner, that game would have shown you otherwise. He did some of the things that you talked about, but you are the quarterback guru, so I won't get into them. Uh, Some of the things that you talked about with Stone Norton. So Malik Willis, uh, just go and take away your uh, impressions of him, what you saw on tape. So exactly like you just said, and and something we talked offline about as well, is if you think he's just a runner, he's going to beat you with the arm. If you try to just defend his arm, he'll beat you with his legs. And something else that we talked about is he is by far the most superior athlete at this level of football right now. There's a reason why he almost won the starting job at Auburn last year. If it wasn't for a, a big-time five-star recruit, he, he probably wins that job and is starting the SEC right now. Uh, but I think the most impressive thing – look, that, that athleticism is, is awesome. You know, but that's not We knew that about him. The most impressive thing about you know Malik Willis is the fact that He's a quarterback first and foremost, and he's not looking to run. Uh, he's, he has great footwork in the pocket. He's got a rocket arm, um, very efficient. And he also trains with um, with a, a, a pretty big quarterback guru, quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, who's trained like uh, Jalen sure, yeah. Hurd, Deshaun Watson. So I, I've seen them work on stuff with that. So bo- both these guys that we've watched are extremely polished quarterbacks, different styles, but you know both quarterbacks nonetheless. So let's go and transition, Steve. Uh, let's go to the Sun Belt. Uh, who are the guys you're able to kind of take a look at from there? And uh, just any thoughts on guys you may have in the uh, old SBC, Fun Belt. Yeah, Fun Belt. So, you know, the South Alabama starting off against uh, UAB, 
Uh, not much to take away there. I believe Desmond Trotter, he injured his shoulder a bit the following week, uh, and so he did not start that game, and there's, there's not much there. Uh, Troy, uh, again, played a much superior team in BYU. Uh, not, nothing to really take away there. Just got beat pretty handily. The one thing I am surprised about and someone I'm really high on is Levi Lewis from Louisiana. Uh, just looked off again. Looked off against Georgia State last week. Looked off against Georgia Southern this week, and they barely they had to kick a, a long field goal to win 20, 20 to eighteen as the uh, as the game expired. So uh, again, big time arm, and I, I love him. I think he's the, probably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt. However, <clears throat> however, there's just been some. The offense has been off in general the, the past two weeks, so that's something I'm looking for improvement on. Uh, nothing, no big takeaway from the uh, UL Monroe, UTEP, and no big takeaway from App State, Campbell, uh, and then the boss. So Texas State, they they have another interesting situation at quarterback, and yeah, uh, and so you know Tyler, they had Brady McBride started game one, did well, but they lost. Tyler Vitt has started the past two games and has played very well. And the reason McBride didn't start those two games is COVID related. Um, I guess instances or COVID related, a COVID related uh, situation. And now Tyler Vitt didn't start this game against Boston college because of a COVID related situation. So um, definitely an interesting, interesting situation they have at uh, Texas state in, in the quarterback room. Um, but man, this was a game that I didn't get a bunch of eyes on, but from every, the, some people I've been following is man, Texas state had this game one They they, they were up uh, 21 to seven, I believe, at, at one point in the game. And then Boston College came back, but uh, nonetheless, I think Texas State, man, they're so, they're so close to potentially being a, a, an upper level Sun Belt team that they're just going through some growing pains and kind of just learning how to win and kind of uh, both quarterbacks learning how to just finish the game. Well, let me ask you this really quick uh, before we transition away from the Sun Belt. Yep. With Tyler Vitt and Brady McBride, do you see a situation? And we talk about FIU having played multiple quarterbacks and there's uh, situations around the country where multiple quarterbacks are being played, trying to figure out that starter. Do you find a, a situation at Texas state where they could potentially play both guys? I don't know from what you've seen on film, if, you know, I've had a chance to see more of it than McBride personally, but do you think that both of those guys could rotate in and out and give the offense uh, or, or give the defense per se, probably better to say a different dynamic? Y- yes. And, and no, uh, okay. with this, so, uh, and the the reason why is, I think when this offense, I think I think it's best for them to find a quarterback and roll with him, and just have a quality backup quarterback. And, and you know, I very well could be wrong, even though they have two, they're two different style of quarterbacks, but they play within the same style. If that makes sense. So, Brady McBride is a, has a bigger arm, a, a, a better athlete, more dynamic runner, and he kind of has that you know, the, the first game, the commentaries are comparing him to Johnny Manziel, but he has that kind of like uh backup uh, pickup football, if you will kind sure. of sure. mindset where Tyler Vitt, he's a good athlete. He's, he's not a McBride, but he's a good athlete. He's got a, got a good arm uh, and he's, he runs a little bit, but he's looking to stay in the pocket. He, he's probably more efficient as a passer and kind of more polished. Um, and so similar styles, but kind of different strengths, if that makes sense. Uh, so I think, I think they're better on picking a guy and going now, who that guy is. I, I don't know, because sometimes I'm like, man, go with Vit. Other times I'm like, let's go with McBride. So um, that will be another interesting thing to see. It's, it's kind of unique how many uh, teams actually have, you know, a solid 
two deep quarterbacks, especially at the G five level. And you have a bunch of power five schools that can't find, can't find one solid quarterback, you know? Um, but this kind of an interesting takeaway so far in 2020. So like I said, we are doing this on the fly. So we're going to go to the American. And then once we finish up the American, we're going to try to preview a couple quarterbacks next week, what Steve may be looking for. And then I'm going to come back to the Sun Belt and ask him about one more, the Sun, excuse me, come back to the Conference USA and ask him about one more quarterback. But uh, before we do that, the American, Steve, what were you able to kind of see from there, if anything, and any quarterbacks, anything that might jump out to you as far as uh, piquing your interest and uh, some takeaways from there? I didn't get a bunch of the only real game I got eyes on was UCF and, and ECU. And one of the reasons why is because that they UCF set a record for most penalties in the first half or something like that. I think they had like 13 in the first half and like they had four false starts in a row or, or something bizarre. Um, but, but even with that, you know, Dylan Gabriel is Dylan Gabriel with 400 something yards, four TDs. Uh, the, the kind of the biggest takeaway I think for me and, and, uh, and the American is probably Desmond Ritter with Cincinnati. They got the win 24-10 against Army. And he's a guy we've been looking for to take the next step. He's a talented guy, but he was kind of similar to, you know, at least look at the numbers. I haven't dove in the film that much, but similar numbers to what you can expect. Similar, excuse me. Similar numbers to kind of what he put up last year, last year where he, you know, was inconsistent but consistent enough he was 18 of 33 so you definitely want that completion percentage a bit higher uh however he did have two touchdowns a pick and, and threw for a little over 250 yards um against a, a pretty solid army defense so besides that i don't have any takeaways really you know sfa uh, excuse me smu demolition sfa Tulane. i don't know how in the world they put up 66 points against Miss, especially when the quarterback i don't even know if he would pass for 50 percent. yeah he was eight of 18 for two lanes so um, I don't have a, I don't have a bunch. I don't know if you got more eyes in American, Eric, but, uh, yeah, well, really quick before we transition, I mean, that was a work day for me. So I didn't get a chance to, uh, go back and recap on the American too much, but I want to ask you this. You mentioned Desmond Trotter, just quick, you know, however you want to phrase it, whether it's, you know, quick answer or whatnot. Uh, who does he remind you of? Do you have a comp on, on a Desmond Trotter for, um, from Cincy who, uh, 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 uh Desmond Ritter, excuse me, for, from Cincy who people can kind of say like that, who that, uh, that's someone who can kind of their game is similar in that sense? Yeah, that's a good question. Right off the top of my head, I don't know if this is a great comp uh, because the person I'm about to say has is, is much more talented, is, is much more arm strength, sure. uh, would, be, would be, a, be a Josh Allen. So okay. uh, especially for, as far as college goes, so good athletes, big arms. Obviously, Josh Allen has one of the strongest arms in the whole NFL, but you know Ritter's got a pretty strong arm uh, at this level. But there's some kind of uh, – there's just something that hasn't clicked all the way yet. You know, now with Josh Allen, of course, it's, it's clicked. But in college, you would, he would have games like 9 of 18, 10 of 21, just kind of like not super efficient games. Uh, different offenses that they're playing. But as Ritter, that, that was kind of the name that came to mind with, with Desmond Ritter. He's a good athlete. He can run. Uh, he's got a good arm. But the kind of a, a efficient factor and kind of just being consistent hasn't uh, been completely there yet, but Ritter's someone I like. You know, if if it clicks, since he, you know, since he could be the best team in the American, Eric. So you see, I better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this really quick. I did say we'd go back to see USA. I want to yeah. ask you about Luke Anthony, but not not, specif- not in specificity about his play, but we do know that the competition was there between he and Aaron Allen. Aaron Allen started a handful of games when Jamar Smith missed games due to suspension for Louisiana Tech, but. Luke Anthony actually has two years of starting experience at Avaline Christian. This is my question for you, Steve. 
Luke Anthony right now appears to have the inside track on that job coming off a, a performance in which I believe he threw for five touchdowns, uh, either four or five. Do you find that FBS quarterbacks can make that jump up and that the starting experience is something that can translate? Because I just look at, you know, some of the teams in Conference USA who may have quarterback situations that might not be desirable. And, uh, you know, I think some of us, I'll use myself as an example, maybe kind of underestimated what Luke Anthony may have been able to bring to the table, given the fact that Aaron Allen had this starting experience last year. A hundred percent. And you kind of nailed it with what you just said is the two years of experience that Luke Anthony had. And this is something we, we touched on a little bit last week uh, when we talked about their victory over uh, Southern Miss. Um, but, you know, when going from the FCS level to if you have success at the FCS level, and you go up to the FBS level like Louisiana Tech where it's a jump, but it's not like he's jumping from um, an FCS team to, you know, LSU or Texas, you know. So the style of play isn't isn't necessarily a, a drastic leap, even though it is a jump. But with that said, he's taken the leap, but so are the players around him. And so like we talked about last week, cover two is cover two. If he's throwing a seam route, it's a seam route. He's just throwing to better players. And so the fact that he's seen that more than Aaron Allen, even though Aaron Allen has started – more games at the FBS level, um, I think has probably been the advantage of why he is, is finding so much success. And granted, it was against HBU, uh, but still, you know, HBU's got a pretty darn good quarterback. So uh, Luke Anthony had to make sure that Louisiana Tech scored a lot of points. Side note, I said this on the Conference USA podcast earlier today. Bailey Zappi probably would be a top three quarterback in Conference USA right now. I mean, that's yeah. just he, – he is balling. Don't you hope that he just – he transfers next year and plays the extra year at a – uh, FBS school because the way he's playing uh, more than half the schools in all of college and all of FBS would take him. I, I not, and I'm not even talking about a G5. I think there are right. P5 schools that, that would mm-hmm. take a Bailey Zappi in a heartbeat. And that might be something I have to keep an eye on given the eligibility situation because of COVID Steve, as we transition into week five, I will let you, uh, do you have any specific quarterbacks or I can call out a few, I think uh, in specificity, as far as conference USA, we're going to get a chance to see a couple of quarterbacks we have not seen play at all. Um, How do you want to, you know, me call them out or how do you want to do it? So let's, before we do that, uh, how about you you call them out and let's let's go over it. And two, I want to touch on Ash O'Hara real quick um, from mid-Tennessee UTSA. And once again, for the listeners at home, Steve, uh, you know, you listen to getting this podcast, you had an eventful weekend. So we are calling us on the fly. So forgive us for our uh, bit of show prep as we're about 25 minutes into the podcast. Steve, take it away. Ash O'Hara. So, yeah, with O'Hara, someone that we obviously both liked a lot. This has been probably the the most disappointing offense so far as far as the the guys that we kind of cover. However, I think Middle Tennessee may have found, uh, may have found, their stride, if you will, on offense. So the, the the first half was pretty atrocious for for Middle Tennessee. Uh, even though they did score ten points, O'Hara had two bad picks, and it kind of looked like the same offense that they saw that you saw against Army and against Troy. They got just pounced. I mean, the total score combined in those games was something like ninety something to seven, or or something you know out- outrageous. But the way I kind of view O'Hara's play because he struggled the first two games in this first half, and the second half came on fire. He was 31 of 47, 372 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. But those two interceptions came in the first half and he ended up running for 60 plus yards. Um, What I saw in the second half uh, was totally different in the first two and a half games. And what I'm going to relate it to, since it's, you know, the first day of MLB baseball today, I'm going to use a baseball analogy. Plus I know you're a baseball guy, Eric. So 
you know, when a when a player starts getting in a slump, a hitter starts getting a slump, he doesn't realize it until, you know, he's three, four games in. When you go 0 for 4 one game, you're like, okay, that, that happens. 0 for, 0 for 4 the next game, you're like, okay, that sucks. I'm 0 for 8, whatever. When you go 0 for 12, when you don't have a hit for three or four straight games, that's when you start pressing a little bit. And you start kind of doing some stuff that's kind of uncharacteristic in your game, and that's when the slump kind of really happens. And so that's what I saw in O'Hare the first few games is things weren't really going their way, so he was pressing a little bit. He had a lot of pressure, you know, potentially the best player in Conference USA people were talking about. Um, and so he was pressing, 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 so he was in that kind of slump. And then, you know, once you're – going back to the baseball analogy, once you kind of find that one hit, you get another hit, you get that monkey off your back. So you're 0 for 20, and then you get a hit, 1 for 21, 2 for 22, 3 for 23. Then you start, you know, piling up hits and your average starts going back up. And that's what I kind of saw in this game. He started getting his confidence back. Uh, he started kind of trusting on his playmakers around himself and realized that he doesn't have to do it all. And so this was a game Middle Tennessee came back and, and was very close to pulling off and winning. Um, and so I'm excited to see how they build off the next game. But just because, you know, we're, we're fans of O'Hara and his game, uh, I think that I think that they should build off from this game. But it was nice just to see kind of the old Astro O'Hara come back, find his rhythm, find his confidence, and kind of do things, kind of do what he did last year that made him so well, made him so good. Sorry. No, you're good. I know personally speaking, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. They had a 5 o'clock matchup against Western Kentucky. A, fingers crossed they get that game in. They have not been affected by any cancellation so far with COVID. And B, that's a home game for Middle Tennessee. They are 0-3. If they're going to have a chance to kind of, you know, get the season turn around, it's going to happen this week against Western Kentucky. Another team that needs a win in a big-time way, 0-2, Tyrell Pigrom, their quarterback. Going to call out a couple games here. Like I said, there's a couple quarterbacks we have not seen want to talk, talk, want to touch on them a little bit here fau uh, yeah. they are fingers crossed for the house they can get their season started because they have been bit big time by you know uh, they had a cancellation late last week nick tronti uh, yeah. steve I, I know he's a guy who's taken over for, for um chris robinson and as someone who's gonna use his legs kind of make some plays a little bit once again call on the fly here but just wanted to if if not anything specific you saw on tape just what would you be looking for from him making his uh, first, this is actually gonna be his first. So he's played a little bit. But this will be his first start against Charlotte. Um, so I'm looking forward to see like this in general, the 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 different offensive scheme you know that you have with Lane Kiffin and 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 now with him gone to see like how they change things um, with with Taggart there and to see them use the quarterback quarterback running more uh, the quarterback run more. I know Robinson was a decent athlete, could move a little bit, but he was never you know a guy you were afraid of to beat you with his legs. Or Tronti, it sounds like probably is and just to get more film on him um and you know this is, we, we talked briefly about him the past few weeks and you know each time it's gotten canceled so like you said hopefully we we can actually see them against charlotte this week um but so i'm um, just you know get, get your feet wet and you know as a, as a quarterback my, my favorite thing was after i uh i took a few hits and you know you know, uh, during, when the game started, I took a few hits, found out I wasn't going to break, and then you kind of get comfortable and get in a rhythm. So I would expect him to be similar where maybe they do a few quarterback runs, uh, get hit a little bit, get do some quick passes, maybe a screen or two, get an easy completion and kind of get him in a rhythm, uh, and then kind of see how that how that trans, translates throughout the, the rest of the game against Charlotte, who's also, you know, only played one game, I think, and, and is looking for, a, uh, for the first one of the season. Yeah, absolutely. The other CUSA quarterback we're going to talk about here, and I think we might have to do a, a bit of a dive into him sooner than later, Tyrell Pigram. 
we talked yeah. about him last week. We see the we see the athleticism, we see the potential, but uh, their season's on the brink here, you know. And if you look at their quarterback room, you and I might think maybe there's room to make a change, but uh, if you look at Tyson Helton, this is the quarterback he brought in. You know, last yeah. year he chose to bring in Ty Story, didn't want to play uh, either the quarterback, didn't feel comfortable with the quarterbacks from the previous regime. He's chosen to do that again here. So Tyrell Pigram, uh, just take it away. Just, you know, something you might want to see from him. So I think like we talked about last week where he was inconsistent, inconsistent, then had like two magnificent drives back to back. You're like, wow, he can, this guy can do it all. He can run, he can sling it. Um, but just because you can sling it doesn't mean you want to every single play. And something we talked about with him was when he showed more touch uh, and, and kind of took some muster up the balls when he was more accurate. So I want to see that this game. And we want to see more consistency and, and kind of uh, easier balls to catch, if you will. Because even on some of those balls that he threw last week that were completed, uh, they were still they were a lot tougher than what they should have been. And this is such an interesting game because, I mean, I think it's fair to say, Eric, it, this is a must win for both. Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee, even though it's only week, whatever week we're calling this right now. You know, every, but West Kentucky 02, Middle Tennessee 03. I think, you know, both quarter, whoever wins this game is going to come down to whoever has the better quarterback play. No doubt about it. This is absolutely a must win for both teams. Both teams who came this year with bowl expectations, but they are winless combined 0 and 5 as we move into what is being termed week five. Uh, going to talk about two teams real quick before we go ahead and close up this podcast. Steve, Want to get your thoughts on Holden Aylers? I don't think we've talked about him a ton this year. A uh, guy with a lot of potential, you know, big time athlete. They're taking on Georgia State, specifically uh, the fact that they are playing Georgia State. And once again, that is a, a game you will have to kind of watch and see if that one gets played. But uh, what would you be looking for from Holden Aylers? So yeah, like like uh, we briefly briefly talked about last week, um, we want to see him kind of build on what he did last year as a freshman because he, he had a, the first time his his first big game you kind of look down like, oh, wow, who's Holt Naylor? That's a big game. But then it, he kind of compiled it game after game after game. Uh, and even though UCF, you know, blew uh, East Carolina out last last week, uh, not that the game was closer, not that the score was closer than what it was. Uh, both teams left points uh, on the field. So uh, I think that's comforting for ECU's offense, um, n- knowing that, you know, even though they only scored 28, they probably had another – seven, 10, 14 uh, points left in the field. So they're going against the Georgia State. They should beat Georgia State handily. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but I'm just looking looking for him to pick up where he left off last last week and for us just to get more film, film on him this year. Steve, before we go ahead and close this one up, let's go ahead and head down to Jonesboro, Arkansas. And Arkansas State, we have not touched on their two-quarterback situation in a few weeks. We know the situation there. They've got two really good quarterbacks. Um, Lane Hatcher and of course the uh, <laughs> Steve, help me out here. Now I'm the one uh, picking Logan, that Logan Bonner. Logan Bonner, Logan Bonner, Lane Hatcher. There we go. Yeah. Um, what do you want to look see for? What are you looking for from Arkansas State and their two quarterback situation there with um, Blake Anderson as the head coach? So, so I think it's interesting here, and I won't talk too much on you know the, the different style of plays that each brings. It's similar. We, we've kind of talked about that a lot, but I, I want to see. If they choose, if and when, I think at some point you got to choose someone to go with. But I want to see if and when they choose uh, a guy to kind of ride with or they're going to keep riding the hot hand because they're playing a Coastal Carolina team that I think is much improved. They already beat Kansas this year. You know, they took care of uh, FCS Campbell uh, a week or two ago. And they got a, they got a quarterback um, themselves that's 
a pretty good ball player who, uh, you know, has a chance to be like a, a new, who has a chance to, to win like a newcomer award in, in the Sun Belt. Uh, so I want to see if and when, <clears throat> excuse me, if and when uh, Arkansas State chooses to ride with one guy. Uh, but like we've talked about before, regardless who's at quarterback, find Jonathan Adam, get him the ball, and you're probably going to be okay. You and I will both be looking for the same thing there. I think we both are in agreement that at some point in time, they will have to choose just one guy. But in talking about choosing just one guy, if there's no other person I'd rather do this podcast with, it's my man. Stephen Hamner, you can find him on Twitter at S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. He will probably be sleep deprived, so don't DM him. He's not going to respond to you. But <laughs> you can always find his input here on the QB Spotlight podcast. You can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find the podcast online at podcast.apple.com, soon to be on other podcasting platforms. As always, the only way we can have this podcast grow is by leaving us reviews. So please leave us reviews on Apple and wherever else you may consume this podcast. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. And be on behalf of all of us here who are listening and myself, congrats to Steve and his wife on the new edition. We will catch you next week.